Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now, here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. Alrighty, my motivational quote for today I think is an awesome one, and it's by Harriet Tubman, and it says, Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember, you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars and to change the world. Are your dreams vivid or vague? Do you remember the details or maybe just the feeling that sticks with you from your dreams when you wake up? You know, scientists tell us that, that dreams, that everybody really dreams. If that's true, is there hidden information in our dreams that we can maybe use while we're awake? Can our dreams help gain clarity in something that we're uncertain about or doing or choosing to do? Do tools exist that may help us navigate our dreams to use in our real lives? Today, my guest, John Pellegrino, who is a gifted in interpretation of dreams, is going to share his insight to the magical experience of dreaming, and he's going to help us do some decoding of our messages that we're receiving in our dreams. Last time I had John on, the response to that show was ridiculously incredible, and I had received a ton of emails and comments, and even in person, um, folks who tracked me down who had turned, tuned into the show. And they, So I approached John, and I said, I think we need to do another show. Uh, everybody wants more. So I was really excited uh, that t- John agreed, and today we're going to actually drill down even deeper than we did last time and break our dreams into categories to help us navigate through the dream world. So settle in, grab a cup of hot milk, and get ready to enter the lands of dreams. So, John, thank you so much again for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, and so wonderful to hear that you were able to receive that kind of feedback. It was crazy. You know, I get, I get nice feedback about most of the shows, but there was something about your show. They kept calling me. They're like the dream guy. I think you should have the dream guy on again. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, it cracked me up because you know, I don't know if you watch um, Grey's Anatomy, but one of the doctors, they would call McDreamy, Dr. Oh, McDreamy. McDreamy. Yeah, oh, I kept thinking, I'm like, oh, John is McDreamy. <laughs> yeah, I have to tell my wife some people are calling me the dream guy as opposed to some of the, some of the names I get called. I love it. I just love it. So, of course, you know, I immediately reached out, and and I'm so happy you agreed uh, to be on again. So my first question is, and I know you and I have talked a lot, and and you said that you've been examining your dreams for over 20 years. So I guess my first question is, is it going to take me and other folks that long to understand and learn about our dreams? Well, um, actually, I don't think so, really, because if you take into consideration when I was learning and when I was studying, I was pretty much winging it. It was, you know, 70s and 80s. There wasn't that much information on dreams. I had limited access to the information. So um, my thinking is I always like to use the analogy of technology. You know, knowledge about any topic right now is easily accessible, and so you think about technology. Technology has changed the world so much. It's faster. 
It's more intelligent and creates a quicker learning experience. And, and I think of us in the same way. As humans, we operate faster, we're more intelligent, and we have a much quicker learning experience compared to the 70s and the 80s when I was learning. So my thinking is someone, someone else's, and actually your, your listener's learning curve were no, will nowhere, no way be the lengthy one that it was for me because I had, it was a school of hard knocks for me. But I think there's so much wisdom out there that's accessible that I don't really think it'll be that, that uh, along a process. And, you know, it's funny you say that. You know, I have a, a freshman in college. He's actually coming home tonight. And, you know, I don't know, he was saying something about research and whatever. And I'm like, oh, what did you do for the research? And, you know, I went on the internet. I did this. I went to the library. But, and I laughed. And I said, oh, I said, yeah, when I was in college in the dinosaur days, we actually had to use the Dewey Decimal System. We had to go find the books. We weren't allowed to take the books out of the library. So we had to write notes by hand. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you oh think, my God. About, right, think back to when we were in college that Finding info, we didn't know any better, which was the good news. Because can you imagine how frustrated? But if we took the way, really, if we took the way people learn now, even you and I, who you know, we're we're laughing about it took you 20 years to get where you are because of the lack of information, and it was almost a seeking, searching for the needle in the haystack kind of thing. But if we had, if we had to go back and function the way we did in college to research information, I would be out of my mind because everything I think I think is something a topic and I go oh I'm going to look that up. And then you read a couple of articles about it and you're like oh that's kind of cool. So you have even if it's a limited amount of information bam in 15-20 minutes you can understand in, in to some extent what that topic is about. So I don't exactly. think we could go back. Yeah. So I, I agree. I, I think you're right. The technology and how we're wired now or re, actually rewired um, is that boom, 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 fast, fast, fast. So, um, well, I mean, cool. if you think, of, you think about the cell phone and walking around and it's completely disconnected from any source of electricity, mm. completely disconnected from anything, and you're just walking around with this metal gadget and you're talking to someone on the phone or what have you, and that, that openness to accept that that's happening, I think is going to be reflected in people having that openness to accept the answers that are going to come to them in their dreams. And, you know, I, I think it does take a level of courage to be able to develop that mental muscle and say, you know what, I'm not going to freak out. You know what, I'm not going to be scared. But I think overall we've come to that tipping point where we are open and we do have that courage. Yeah, I, I, and I think we have the curiosity also. Mm -hmm. to be in, intrigued enough to pursue and say, let me peel that back a little more and, and kind of take a little peek at it. Now, you and I had spoke as we were putting this outline together for the show today. We talked about some terminology to help people focus in on maybe examining their dreams or help understanding them better help understand them better. And the first term that you sent me was a waking dream. So can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe give an example? Well, actually, I, I have several examples uh, that have been really meaningful for me and actually created defining moments for me. A waking dream, to me, is an experience that you actually have when you're out and about in your daily life, whether it's work or at home. But it's an experience that feels similar to dreaming because the scene, the scenario that you're in, takes on a surreal vibe or a sensation that you know, something big is about to happen, or you get a little nudge that says, you know, that's a little blip in time you need to pay attention to. 
so it's a feeling. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I, I get that. I, I think I've had that experience before. I remember uh, I was on a beach with my sister, and we were chatting, and this was several years ago, and so my, my, my sister was trying to figure out uh, she was going to go back into the workforce and decide what she wanted and that she had to get more education to be able to do it, certifications, whatever. And she said to me, well, you know, what about you? Like, you have your business, but, you know, do you know what you're going to do with it? You know, grow it? And I looked at her for a second, and in that moment, I, this was my, my response because I didn't know any other way to say it. I said, you know what? I know I have so much more to do, and I can't exactly outline what it is, but it's big, and it's coming. And I, I don't, and she's looking at me like, you're a freak, right? But I said to her, I, I know I have something that I have yet to do, or things that I have yet to do, and it's there, it's, br it's brimming, I can feel it, but I, it, it's coming, it's coming. And she just looked at me, she, and we changed the subject, because I think I freaked her out like, you wackadoo, right? Which my siblings do look at me off to try to think like a wackadoo. But it, oh, I, I, is, is that kind of the, the feeling? Am I, am I expressing that right? Pretty, yeah, real, real close. You know, you're, you know, sometimes I know I'm having one because I perceive that time is standing still or there's something deep yeah. inside that urges me to pay close attention. Uh, close yeah. attention. It may even feel like a deja vu. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it feels like I'm putting my hand in an electrical socket. But it's pretty much a feeling that's saying pay close attention. And yeah. a, little voice inside, and a little voice inside the head, you know, basically saying that. Pay close attention and then... Another another comment is, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? Or did you miss it? You know what I mean? Mm. We're trying to show you something here. And so I'll give you a couple of examples. Yeah, one, one, one is um, I was living in upstate New York, and I had just left a very, very boring retail job. And I was kind of in limbo trying to decide whether to stay in upstate New York or move to Florida. And I had those options. Thank God I had those options. But if I, if I moved to Florida, it meant returning to my father's construction company, which is pretty hard labor, and I had already done that. And if I stayed in New York, it meant I would have adventure, um, and, you know, pretty much seeking a, a solution to my unknown future. But it was kind of exciting, just the thought of it. And I, was, I happened to be, it was summer in upstate New York, I think it was Syracuse, and I was uh, attending a, a jazz concert with a couple of friends. And just as I was thinking whether I should stay or leave, another concert goer was coming over a hill, walking straight towards me in her sweatshirt in huge, big, bold letters said, Choose Life. And... That hit me like a ton of bricks because it was a timing thing. You know, when you think of context, well, any other time I saw that, it would mean absolutely nothing. The fact that I had that on my mind at the exact time, that was real, real impactful for me. And I ended up staying in upstate New York and getting a job with Piedmont Airlines, who got bought out by U.S. Air and, um, you know, was able to enjoy a small career with, with the airlines. And so you got because to travel and live life. Yeah, yeah, I traveled free. I mean, it was a blast. I had a really good time. How cool um, was that? Another example would be um, a time I was walking through a shopping center parking lot, and I was deeply, deeply in thought, walking to my car, considering whether or not I should continue dating a certain young lady. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't decide. I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I was going through the pluses and the minuses. Oh, there's some huge pluses. Oh, I got a couple <laughs> of minuses. So I'm trying to decide whether to 
pass on pursuing her, and I'm I'm thinking, you know what? I think I'm I, I don't think I don't think I'm gonna I don't think I'm gonna do this. And just when I had that thought in my head, I hear someone yell at the top of their lungs. It actually kind of echoed because they were inside a truck, and they yelled, "No, no, no!" I mean, right at the exact time I had that thought, and I look back, and it was a UPS driver. He must have misplaced a box or delivered it to the wrong address or something. But that timing of hearing that such a serious, serious, loud screeching, no, 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 like, don't you dare consider not pursuing her. Don't you dare. And as it turned out, I ended up marrying her. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so it's like, wake up, you know, wake up. And, you know, a lot of this can be considered signs or symbols, but it still is messaging. You know, whether you get it here or you get it when you're asleep, you're still receiving answers. Yeah, that's so cool. Now, here's the, the interesting thing. How many times does that happen to people possibly who are just unaware of what we're talking about? And the sign is there, which maybe is so clear to you, but because they're unaware of this messaging that can go on while we're awake, um, that they miss it. And how, I wonder how frequently that happens. I mean, you don't, I'm sure you don't know the answer to that, but how frequently does that happen? And I hope that folks listening just raise your awareness or open your minds that little bit extra without judgment and say, what if, you know, I do get signs in, or these waking dreams, um, you know, kind of how you're defining it. That is so cool. So I guess your wife is happy that you listen to the UPS man going, no, no, no. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, you think about, think about, I mean, I think about the times that I have ignored the messaging, whether sure. I'm driving down the freeway and all of a sudden I get this little nudge, you know, to turn on, turn off this exit when it has nothing to do with where I'm going, but there's a reason I got that nudge because maybe up ahead there was a, a roadblock. I'll give you one more example because I think it's really funny. Uh, do you remember last time in the, during the interview I had talked about moving to the lake house? Yes. Okay, so we moved to the lake house, and, and when I first moved to the lake house, it was a fixer-upper. It was a very, very expensive uh, vacation home, so expensive that I had to move in and live in it and remodel it. And um, <laughs> it, was built, it was built in 1960, and it needed tons of TLC. But at that time that I moved here in 2004, I still had my job based out of Jacksonville. I still hadn't received a position out of Gainesville. So in my head, I was torn. I had one foot in Jacksonville. I had one foot in Gaines, the Gainesville area. And now I have this house here. How do I make this work? I'm not so sure I made such an intelligent decision. And so I was questioning the decision to move here. And at the time, uh, the house was so in need of repair, even on the lakefront, uh, there was so much brush in front of the lake, you couldn't even see the lake. So I was out there cleaning out some of the brush, and I had these thoughts going into my head, and I had just cut away some branches from a big cypress tree, and I threw them in a pile. And I was thinking to myself, man, I really don't know. I really don't know. And when I looked back at that tree, at the base of the tree was, a huge, was about a 15-inch tall hole. And I looked at that hole in the tree, and my heart just stopped because that hole in the tree was a natural-shaped heart. Oh, no way. 
Yes, and so we call our little cottage, we call it Cypress Heart Cottage. And um, I'll actually, I'll, I can, I'll email you a picture of it, or maybe I should put it on my website or something. Oh, you have to put it on the website. And, and we're going to take a break, but before that, I'm, later on, everybody, I'm going to give you John's uh, website. And two of the pictures, John, I believe, two of the pictures on your website are actually taken from your backyard, which right, it's right. Um, two majestic, beautiful. Um, if you if you don't look at them and think peace, then you're you know you're dead because this they're just beautiful, beautiful pictures from his backyard. Let's take a quick break, and then we come back. Let's talk about um, the sensor and what okay. that means, and then again, if you could give some examples, that's perfect. Okay, sounds good. All right, cool beans. Hang on, hang on. A quick break. All right. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back. We are back with my my dream guy, John Pellegrino. You know that's going to be my new name for you because everyone's like the dream guy, the dream guy. Uh, so we're talking clearly about dreams, and we're gonna. We just went through what a waking dream is, and kind of defined. We gave some examples, and I hope that resonated. And some of you are like, hmm, that's happened to me. The next one is the sensor. Uh, can you tell us what it means, its purpose, and, and again, the examples were awesome. Well, just real, real quick, the sensor is, is similar to the sensor that sensors, uh, you know, in television, it sensors, you know, um, material or content that's not safe for viewing. Uh, we have something in our dream state that's called the sensor and its purpose. And in Freud's view, the sensor, you know, modifies and disguises the content. And dreams, so that strong emotions are not evoked. And for me, it actually softens the scene's intensity, so I don't freak out. So it's easier easier for me to listen to a former former coach in a dream than it is maybe for a parent. It keeps us from stopping the flow of information with a strong reaction. So in other words, if you see something that's actually the way it really is, we might stop and go, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. Whereas if you see a kitten do it, you're thinking, oh, that's kind of cute. And so an example would be, an example would be maybe throwing a boss out of a window as opposed to throwing a sibling out of a window, uh, having a dog chase you instead of a relative. And those are just, you know, small, small little instances. You know, for example, when I write my dreams down regarding animals, I already know the personalities in my life that those animals represent. Really? Yeah. 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 I mean, over time, I've, I've been able to figure out who that is. But I think if I were to exactly see who it is in my dream, I would stop that flow of the dream. Because I'd be saying, you know, be asking a question, hey, what are you doing here? Hey, what's that? You know, why is that happening? That kind of thing. 
That's so interesting. And yes, we I guess we have built-in defense mechanisms, and we we do have control over our dreams. So isn't that interesting how we know how to disguise it, disguise the message, so that you're more open to kind of get it? That's I, I never knew that. That's really cool. And I think um, what happens over what happens over time is the sensor shows up less and less. As you get your mental muscle and your spiritual muscle, you'll start seeing the sensor less. And then the real thing shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you because you can handle it. You can handle it. Yeah. And you let the you learn to let the flow in. You let to, you let learn to let the information in. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. I right. I think over over time you just you just get that resilient. Uh, um, energy going and, and uh, you can you know you can bounce back it's not gonna you're not gonna panic let me put it that way okay that's that's very cool the next one that you sent me was the gateway for out-of-body experience so in what way have dreams expanded your awareness and consciousness and and again if the, if the examples I think are, are good for us to, to help us understand okay um, you know there are in some circles, dreams are considered all to be out-of-body experiences to some degree because we were out of our body. You know, where are we? Where are we when we're having those dreams? Some, you know, some call it lucid dreaming. Um, but I'll give you an example. Um, I was living out west, and a friend of mine and I decided to travel through Utah, and after a, a day of hiking, we went to our campsite, and, uh, you know, I had a nice little campfire, and the stars were out. It was just one of those crazy, beautiful western western nights. The air was crisp. We had a lot of sunburn on our face because we had been out so long. And, uh, you know, hey, we decided to, you know, after dinner we'll go ahead and, and uh, pack it up and go to sleep in the van. And a little while later, I'm outside of the van, or I'm dreaming that I'm outside of the van, and I'm thinking, well, you know, why would I be walking to the van now? Because I just, I already used the restroom. I'm walking back from the restroom again. Why would I be, and I look, and the vans, the the locks on the van were down, so the van was locked. And I kind of glanced inside, and I thought, well, I'm in there sleeping. Well, how can I be there and be out here? And so I was fully conscious and I was actually very excited because I realized what was happening. I was having a full-blown out-of-body experience. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I've got to look at my hands and see if they're solid. So I looked at my hands, and they looked just like they look now. I clapped them together, and they felt solid. And I went, wow, that's cool. That's not that much different. And then, <laughs> and then, and then all of a sudden, I felt this... this um, a sensation in my solar plexus that was elevating and it was almost as if it was the opposite of gravity and it was inside my gut and it just it just lifted me I mean I just lifted up it was real it was a real soft magnetic pull and I remember I remember looking looking up since I was heading up I remember looking up to the sky and just seeing the the sky was littered with stars. You had to pick a place where there wasn't a star. That's how littered it was. And I shot up like a rocket. I threw my arms up and I shot up like a rocket into the stars. And I don't remember what happened after I got to the stars. But I do know that when I woke up, I was high for three days because I had proved to myself life beyond this level. And it was just exhilarating. Did you ever have that experience prior to that event? 
not to that level of consciousness, and I'm talking fully conscious, completely 100% fully conscious. Yeah, Has it happened since then? Oh, yeah, 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 off and on, different experiences, yeah. Do yeah, you like think... I, go, go ahead. ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, do you think there was a certain set of circumstances in each of the events that you had this out-of-body experience that you could say, like your description, can I tell you, um, you know, you're describing the day and the stars and this beautiful sunset, you know, out in the Midwest, and, and I can visualize everything you just said, so you almost feel the picture that you painted. Do you think it was because of the vibration of your day, the perfect, oh, I'm going to use the word perfectness, I don't know if that's the right word, but, or if that's even a real word, but the most perfect situation is what created your openness to have it, or no rhyme or reason with each time it happens? I think it really helped, but I don't think that's a determining factor for somebody to go through a work day nine to five and go home and be able to have a similar experience. But I think it, it helped me at that time to remove the critical mind and get my conscious mind out of the way. And I was extremely relaxed. I was completely invigorated. I was full of life. I was very excited to be out there. The beauty was immense. Mm. So in a way, it was a perfect storm for that. But I wouldn't say that you have to have that in order to experience an out-of-body experience. After having that experience, was it easier for you to do it again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was much more open. I was definitely much more open. I had been Did trying to, to have... Yeah, and I had been trying. You know, I had been doing a lot of reading and studying about uh, people from the Far East that could do it. And I thought, oh, you know, remote viewing and being able to see relatives in different places. And, all that. and I just, I wanted, I believed it and I wanted to achieve it. And then when my guard was down, boom, it just happened because it it wasn't anything I was trying to, trying to have happen. But you were open to it. So I think you almost had formed that path for it to happen because you were searching for it and then again the perfect storm for that first event. That's beyond cool. The, the last thing, because we have about five minutes left, John, I do want to talk about, um, you said that dreams could be used to heal the loss of loved ones. And how have you seen that or used that, you know, because maybe that could help people? Well, um, you know, for me, these were lucid dream experiences, which means I was completely 100% fully conscious. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. One, I was visiting my mom in a nursing home. She had fallen and she uh, stayed in bed and wasn't getting up and she was slipping into a coma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would go there and visit with her and hospice was there. And, and the interesting thing about my mother is just so fascinating is she actually started to, to glow which, and her name is Gloria of all things, but she actually yeah. began, she started to glow, her skin became translucent, and I thought, you know what, I'm watching an ascension right in front of me, this is amazing, but I, I, I remember the last time that I was with her, I, I grabbed her hand, and I kissed her on her forehead, I told her I loved her, and, you know, that's all I could do, she wasn't accepting any food or, or, or nutrition, and so I had a feeling that that would be the end, and sure enough, a couple of days later, uh, Marianne, my sister, called me and said that she had slipped away. And um, about a couple of days after that, I had a dream. And in the dream, I'm sitting on a couch, and my mother is sitting to my left side, and I'm holding her hand. And I am basically screaming at a cousin, and I'm telling him, you remember 
this moment, right now, you promise right now that you will remember this moment. You look at her. You look at her. There's your proof she didn't die. There's your proof right there. You remember this moment. And when I said that, she squeezed my hand, which was really meaningful for me because when I saw her last and I squeezed her hand, she didn't squeeze back. Whereas this time, she, this time she did. So that was that was uh, one instance, which um, to me was very very validating, and it made me feel a lot better. The other example was actually with my mom again, and, and uh, it's kind of embarrassing. I don't really like talking about it, so I'll make sure. Everybody doesn't talk about it after I tell you. <laughs> anyway, I'm a little I'm a little embarrassed that this happened. But several several months several months after she had passed, I saw her again in my dream. I'm fully aware. I run up to her and I'm freaking out. Oh my God, Mom, you look great. She looked like she was 35. You look fantastic. How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm very concerned about her welfare. And the embarrassing part about it was telepathically she sent me a message and it said are you a blank idiot didn't I teach you anything didn't I teach you anything so and it just, that. <laughs> she was saying she said she was saying basically are you joking you got to be joking of course I'm fine I, I'm the one who started you the path on, on researching your spirituality. Didn't I teach you anything? Didn't anything register with you? And so that embarrassed me. That my you should have known one. better. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, and let me just share. Let me just share with everybody listening to put that in perspective. Um, Marianne, your sister, actually introduced me to you. But when Mary and I started to to speak and and get close, um, I asked her a lot of questions on the show about because you guys had this inner wisdom. I'm going to say, um, even as children, where you saw things, experienced things, felt things. And as a child, we go home, and who do we talk to but mom? And you would go home and say to your mom, hey, mom, you know what happened today? Blah, blah, blah. And Marianne would say she saw something, you know, that was spirit, like a spirit, right? And your mom, most moms would say, ah, you're crazy. What are you thinking? And your mom would say, oh, tell me all about it. Well, you know what I think that means. And she would start to teach you about spirituality and about really how insignificant, not insignificant we are, but how there is so much so much stuff bigger than us that we can't even fathom. So your mom really did teach you from when you guys were kids that um, there was this veil that you had control over and you really could see the other side. You could experience these dreams and all of these things. So that's why she was yelling at you, you dumb Blank, blank, blank. <laughs> yeah, like old time. Yeah, I love it. Because you know, even even after they passed, they still could call us out, right? It's moms and dads could call us out. I just love it. That's awesome. Um, last, we have literally like 30 seconds left. But I really want you to, if somebody doesn't dream or somebody does dream and they feel like they don't remember, can you give some little tricks or recommendations to help people, if they're interested, um, find a way to dream more or remember more, whatever it is for them? Well, I think a technique that's helped me before, is, I call it sleep hygiene, where you put yourself in a situation before you go to sleep for the most wonderful, restful experience. And then as far as your thought processes, 
You know, you want to get your critical mind out of the way. So forget about the day, whatever happened, and forget about tomorrow, what kind of work you got to do, who you got to talk to, what you got to do. See, go ahead and plant the seed and think about a time when you said to yourself, wow, that was so much fun. That was such a blast. I can't wait to do that again. Whatever that experience was, go to it, live it, see it, breathe it, inhale it, and keep it as you fall, as you drift to sleep. And the other thing might be, think about individuals that love you sincerely and hold that while you go to sleep. Or think about someone that you love deeply and, and hold that as you go to sleep. And I find that, that that sleep hygiene on a thought level really helps with the recollection for me. And, and I just want to share the first one um, for anybody that's interested and, and is listening. The sleep hygiene, you recommended for me that exact one, kind of clear my mind and picture something that was awesome for me. For me, it's always the beach because I, I, my blood pressure comes down. I look at that ocean and I just feel like anything is possible. So that feeling of peace and yet energy um, and intensity, all good. For me, it's all good. That was my visual uh, going to bed. And I shared with John in the last show that I don't ever dream, or if I do, I don't ever remember them. I have to tell you, I had been doing that, and it didn't take long. I now dream, apparently frequently, <laughs> who knew? Nice. And really? Yeah, really kind of cool. And the other thing is I remember my dream, and you, you, you said to do a dream journal. I have a little book, uh, lined paper book with a pen like stuck in it, and I um, in my in my nightstand, and I just write the dreams when I wake up. If I remember them, I, I write them down. There, I don't think there's been a big significance to them. The only thing I can say is sometimes I wake up and I go, oh, you know what? I wanted to read that book, for instance. I gotta find that, and then I find it and I read the book. So it's almost like a little memory thing that something yeah. I pushed aside that I didn't want. So it, nothing, no big revelation. But for me, remembering my remem re realizing that I dream, remembering the dream was huge and it was just from that first exercise and for me that place was always the beach that I, I would just kind of fall asleep and smell the beach and hear the beach and um, it worked so that was kind of well, cool yeah, yeah that's, that cool? that's 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 success if I ever heard it that's excellent yeah, yeah. so that if, if folks are unsure just try it it's really just going to your place that feels good and it puts the crap of the day and the crap of tomorrow's day aside and just gives you a minute to kind of be as you, as you fall asleep. That's what's percolating, I guess, on your brain and it feels good. And then you're able to dream or, or in my case, remember the dream. So a lot of Let time, just, John, go ahead. Oh, yes, I'm okay. No, okay. Just finish your thought. Well, I was just going to add one little thing. There's a story out of India where they train elephants uh, you know, the baby elephants, they put a chain around one of their legs and they tie the chain to a tree and they raise the elephant that way. And then when the elephant weighs, I don't know how much, thousands of pounds, they only have a little twine holding the elephant to the tree because in the elephant's mind, they think the twine is really a chain because they were conditioned that way and they grew up that way. Mm. And so I always use that analogy when I think about opening up my mind to possibilities, to remembering my dreams, to, to waking up in my dreams, to seeing deceased relatives, whatever it is. I always use that analogy that I need to, all that's holding me back is a piece of twine. It's not really a chain. That's right. That, again, frame of reference, right? Frame of how we've been trained. We are trained to restrain 
you know, uh, behave in class, raise your hand, don't speak, you know, all these things. So we have to unlearn and relearn that we have these abilities at birth and we, we train them to not be there and we have to unlearn and relearn. So it's, sure, it's, sure. it's a process for sure. Um, thank you again so much. I just want to share your website. So, you guys, if you're intrigued by this, please go to John's website. It's www.dreamfullcircle.com, all lowercase, all in a row. So, dreamfullcircle.com. And again, look at those pictures on his website of his backyard. Just absolutely fabulous. And you'll, you'll find peace just looking at those pictures. Send me your stories um, that maybe I could share on the air to inspire others. And you can email me at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. So it's W-H-I-T-M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C. I really would love to highlight them and or look for guests that will resonate with whatever the topic is that you're looking for. John, thanks again for being, being the dream guy for me. <laughs> I enjoyed it immensely. Thank you, Connie. Always my pleasure. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much, and I wish you all a really inspired, blissful night of sleep. Be well, everyone. Thanks. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can't.